The only thing worse than weak coffee is weak branding. Where should the mindset be from the very beginning when you go through a rebrand? First of all, you have to be, you have to think bigger. You must think bigger. You cannot go, oh, let's do little incremental little things because you know what? By the time that you've achieved that little incremental thing, your competition has already kicked your ass. Some of the loneliest and most miserable people that I've known have shitloads of cash. I mean, freaking piles, but they've never stopped to actually help others. The greatest leaders that we all appreciate and are inspired by are those that elevate and go, okay, I'm doing this not because I get to put more stars on my chest or whatever the hell, but I get to actually help more people. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is David Breyer, Google's number one rebranding expert, a slayer of the mundane, a liberator of awesome, and the author of Amazon's branding bestseller, Brand Intervention, which is responsible for a near two billion in sales. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. And look, you are considered the godfather of branding. And uh, really appreciate the time today because this is such an important topic as many people are trying to personally brand themselves. Uh, companies and of, of all sizes, small and large, are, are rebranding. And um, you are one of those people who are able to come in and see things from uh, a unique perspective and give people a fresh look to change their entire business. And that's what I really want to get across today through this interview is how this could really change someone's world. Totally. Totally. Cool. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready to dive into it and, uh, and shred some misconceptions and, uh, and false ideas and unleash, help, uh, help your listeners unleash like what the hell's possible. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And what I'd love to start with, David, is something that you talk about, and that is that you don't only build companies, you build empires. Tell us what that means. Well, okay, I'll, I, I will tell you. I know that we've, we've spoken about this recently, and, and what it came to was, um, and to give this context, is that, so I've been doing this this year for 40 years okay i've been doing i've been actually working with companies i've worked with global brands national brands regional brands local brands i've branded cities i've done all these various things and, and my whole goal was knowing that i could take a company that maybe they were not growing as fast and help accelerate their growth or they might have reached a plateau and they needed to like breathe new life into it or they might have even been on a decline and lost their relevance because I not only work with you know new companies, I work a lot with existing companies that have been around for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So what happened was a client of mine, I was down in Florida a couple of weeks ago. And so that's where one of my clients is. And so I said, hey, let's have lunch. He was like, absolutely. So we went out to lunch and I had known that they were doing great. But then I got the confirmation that basically in the eight and a half years since they started, when I created the brand and set it all up, they went from startup zero to now a billion dollar valuation in eight and a half years. They're the leading, now they're the leader in their category. Um, they're crushing it. But besides that, the CEO is one of the nicest individuals I've ever met. Um, he's not. I know when some people look at really successful leaders or they look at really successful entrepreneurs, sometimes they see someone who's pretty frantic, maybe a little frazzled, a little bit like all over the place and really moving a little fast. He's like, he's like a steady ship and a big sweetheart, just a darling of a, of a, of a leader and a, and a CEO. And I'd found out that he actually their humanitarian efforts that we each mutually support. And, and he had shared with me that he had done like a ridiculous, basically an eight 
eight figures in terms of con contributions to um, humanitarian efforts. Um, I knew that he was not, he wasn't one of these entrepreneurs who was like just looking at making his wallet fatter and making his car collection bigger. And it wasn't about him. He, he, was, he was doing things he liked to create growth, but also really liked to give back. And so when I learned how much, I mean, he gave more than most people will ever see in several lifetimes as far as revenue. That's what he's actually recirculated back to worthwhile, beneficial causes. All of a sudden, I was like, holy crap. First, I looked at the fact that I probably was underestimating how ferociously I need to attack my, my uh, influence and impact in the world. But at the same time, I then started to all of a sudden look and go, wait a second. Joanna Vargas, one of the, one of the premier skincare lines in, based out of New York. They have offices now in New York and uh, Los Angeles. I, I helped them go from where they were up into really elevating their empire. True Fire, which is one of the leading online music um, um, uh, services that teaches people how to play guitar and different instruments. I took them from where they were with nowhere and created their brand. So all of a sudden I started going, holy crap, I actually create empires. I help leaders build their empires. And to me, it was such a bigger scope of understanding and appreciation of what I can do and not just build businesses and not just make their message more relevant, not just you know, elevate their differentiation, but uh, like how freaking big do you need to go to be meaningful in the world? No, and that's just amazing. And I guess from a, from a branding standpoint, when you're thinking about your brand, again, whether you're a small business or large, should you be thinking bold? Should you be thinking large? And I, I just recently read your book, so I'm interested in your response. But, you know, where should the mindset be from the very beginning when you go through a rebrand? Well, one is, is you have to, you, you, first of all, you have to be, you have to think bigger. You must think bigger. You cannot go, oh, let's do little incremental little things. Because you know what? By the time that you've achieved that little incremental thing, your competition has already kicked your ass. You're already, it's like, you're, you're already like, wait a second, you've not, whatever progress you think you've made because you're thinking too small, you're already losing ground. You're already between what's being offered to your community that you could be serving, to your customer base, to those you're actually there to serve, and what's possible. So you need to think in enormously large, uh, a con, or an enormously large context. But besides that, you need to, now that balances out and that goes, okay, now, so what are we going to do, you know, today, this week, this month, um, and go, okay, what are the, what are the steps that are going to move toward that? It, and I only say that because some people I've seen, some people go, oh, well, I'm going to be, you know, they some big goal, a uh, millionaire or the leader in this industry or da, 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 And it's just, there's no plan. There's no strategy. There's no, nothing. it's like this big blanket statement. And then it's either they've made it or they haven't made it. And there's no sort of gradual steps to getting there. It's like, you got to be real. There's a gap between where you are. No one, un unless you're, unless you're uh, a family, unless you're a member of the royal family, you're not born into, <laughs> you're not born into, man, <laughs> I've got it. I've got my cars. I got my homes. I got my, da -da -da. I got, you know, I got all this, the conveniences I could possibly want. Um, but again, even that becomes ridiculously lonely. Some of the loneliest and most miserable people that I've known have shitloads of cash. I mean, freaking piles but they've never stopped to actually help others. Really. They've never dug deep and really gone, how, how much do I need to dig deep to actually benefit others? The greatest leaders that we all appreciate and are inspired by are those that elevate and go, okay, I'm doing this so that I can have a bigger influence. Not because I get to put more stars on my chest or whatever the hell, but I get to actually help more people. I get to have a bigger effect. I mean, if, I mean, what's, I mean, you know, you know, I'll tell you, I'll just go to context. You know, the thing that, that always left a very strong impression. Did you ever see the movie Schindler's List? Sure. Great. You remember the end where, where, um, where it was, where Liam Neeson was, was pained at the end because, oh, if I'd only done this, I mean, no matter how many people he saved, 
It was the regret of what was what he failed to do, that he could have saved another 50, 100, 200, 500 people. And to me, that's the thing. I think that everybody ultimately will come to that sooner or later in life, whether they're, you know, at some point in their life, they're going to go, I could have done more. No, and this is an amazing conversation because we, you know, we're talking about branding and people may be listening saying, what the heck does this have to do about branding? But it has everything to do about branding, right? It starts with what's your why. And, I, you know, I've, I've talked to you a couple of times now, so I know that there's things beyond the brand and the company itself that, I mean, you've told me that you've turned companies away because they don't have the right ethos, right? Because it's not the right fit. There's certain brands that you just won't rebrand. Yeah. That's because of how you, you personally feel. Is that right? Well, it's, I, oh, I never lose sight of the bigger picture. I never lose sight of, you know, even though, even though it was said in a, in a, in a stupid movie context, there was, there was some, some uh, Dwayne Johnson, the rock, you know, movie where he's like, the world ain't getting better on its own <laughs> or the world ain't getting better by itself. You know? And I was like, that's freaking true. So how many people, I mean, here, I, I will challenge you and, 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 the, and those listening and watching this, how many people do you know that um, are truly making an actual real difference in the world today? Who you, who you know? Like, I'm not talking about the, 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 the little cream of the crop. Oh, I know, I know these top authors. Let, let's remove them from the equation. I'm talking people you know on a daily basis. How many could elevate their game fivefold, tenfold, twentyfold? Ninety-nine percent. Exactly. So the thing is, is that branding, while it is a business tool, it to me is also it's a relevancy tool. If you desire to be relevant as a brand, if you desire to be relevant as a person, if you desire to be relevant as a leader, it's like you need to understand the core components and anatomy of branding because branding is simply a matter of how the hell do I get my idea to be meaningful to you, Roger? That's what it answers. How do I get my idea, my, my mission, my cause, my vision, my dream, my aspiration, the greatest, greatest, greatest leaders that you and I love and aspire towards are those who have the ability to take a concept and transfer it into the minds of others. You know, being a martyr is bullshit. And humility is bullshit. Those are two concepts that are, and, I, and I, I'm going to tackle this because I'm saying something strong. Some people might go, oh, Briar. He's, he's like, you know, yeah, you know, he's, he's whatever. whatever. Whatever they're thinking about me, I don't give a shit because I know what I'm saying is true. I'm going I'm I'm to give you this. This is, a, this is a mind blower. I was talking to a client concept of humility and it ties in with the with the whole the, with the whole martyr thing you know that humility you know where it comes from in terms of the derivation the derivation comes from middle english from old french humilite from latin humilitas from humilis from, from humble which comes from comes from i'm scrolling down low lowly dirt it goes to into something that's unworthy something that is not real doesn't have any actual value it's like something on the ground that you walk on. So it's the idea of like, oh, I'll be virtuous and just give up everything. I will, you know, the, you know, the greatest people are, are, have a, such a solid foundation. The greatest people, greatest brands, everything. There's such a solid foundation that they, that they can actually amplify and multiply their impact in the world. They can, they can empower others. That's what the, all this stuff comes to. So being a martyr, giving, all of, all, all, giving everything of one's life and oneself, so that you are deprived and you are not really thriving, but yet somehow you're bequeathing that some power to others. It's like, that's a whole inversion. That's, that's nuts. That's why, I mean, it comes so down to people um, because people, people matter. People look, brands are made by people. Brands are actually benefited by people and the great brands have a bigger cause. Millennials embrace big causes, right? They're driven by causes. All of these things tie together. They're not disparate little things like, oh, it's not, not me, you know, sandwiching it into another, another angle so, so as to make branding relevant. No, branding's relevant. If you have a freaking person with a heart and a mind and a soul, then you need to brand because otherwise you will not connect to that heart, mind, and soul. 
So are you saying with the humility, just so we could, you know, because I think there are going to be a lot of people that say, wait a minute, David, what, you know, what does that mean? You're not saying that you can't have empathy, right? Oh, no. Em- empathy is a totally different. Empathy means that I understand that you have a, you, I understand you. I connect with you on a, on a humanity level. Absolutely. Empathy is fabulous. But now, but now some people take, to take empathy to the point. It's, it's an interpretation that I just do not find. I don't find it enhances the survival of anyone. It's like, let me be so empathetic to the, and oh, actually probably here's the better distinction. Some people confuse empathy with sympathy. They're actually not the same thing. Sympathy is, oh, I feel sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that's sympathy. Now, empathy is, look, I feel your pain. I get it. Or I understand what you're, what you're really striving for, and I get it. I mean, empathy is a totally different thing than sympathy. Sympathy is like, oh, oh, oh. And sometimes, you know, hey, look, you know, sometimes it felt good when we were a kid and we scraped our knee and, it's, and mom came over and she was like, oh, you poor thing. I love you so much. Okay, I, I get it. Look, we all had those great moments. But the bottom line is, is in real life, when we're empowering one another, if you and I are in the game of empowering each other, yes, I will have empathy. I can also at the same time go say, look, eat shit and die because what you just said is bullshit and that's not going to help you. That's actually, to me, that's as empathetic as, by the way, I get what you're going through. Because that's honest, right? It's honest, it's understanding, and it's backed by care. Care looks a number of different ways. Love isn't always, oh, I love you. Love is also, hey, you know what? What you're saying is a load of shit. And it's not true. And it's not going to benefit you if you live that lie. That's, that's as loving, if not more loving, than saying, oh, I love you, right? So the thing about humility, the, the whole point about humility is that it makes less of me. Somehow, there's a logic there. And, and, and it seems that from whenever the, the defin, wherever the word initially came from, low, lowly, the ground, dirt, that somehow someone said, oh, you know what? If I make less of myself, somehow that's virtuous. And you know what? That's a load. That's a load. You can be virtuous. You can be empathetic. You can be caring. And you can be factual and matter of fact. And, but it does not, to me, include, I'm going to make less of myself so there could be more of you. That's BS. I have your book here, which I love, by the way. Appreciate it. I'd like to read a couple of things, if I may, and get your response. So the only thing worse than weak coffee is weak brandy. What does that mean? Weak is not a stance to grow anything upon. Being a victim is not a stance to grow anything upon. We've been victimized, therefore, blah, 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 blah. What the hell is that? I would rather say, you know what? This room is filled with, with, with giants who now need to rise and, and, and fill their shoes. That, to me, would be more inspir- inspiring than say, we've been wronged, right? That's weak. No one has wronged you. No one's wronged me. Yeah, we've all, we've all had our good things and our bad things, but let's be real. Every one of us has been dealt a, 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 an amazing hand and a, and a horrible hand. And some of us take those various factors and they, they use those and they adapt and they pivot and they come out on top. And others go, whoa, oh, blah, 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 blah. This was unfair. That was unfair. Da, 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 da. And all variations of this sort of entitlement mindset. No one's entitled to crap. Look, I was, I was like ridiculously talented when I was in my teens and I didn't realize it until I was actually in my 20s and I, I had this historical conversation with my mother. I was like, mom, I like sort of had this epiphany because I finally found a date on some oil paintings that I'd done because I never put any dates on it except I finally found one. I said, mom, I was doing this stuff when I was 15. And now you have to understand being a New York kid, being born in Brooklyn, Queens, et cetera, and, and, and being raised in a Jewish household, you know, the, what I'm about to tell you is a very Jewish, it's right, it's straight out of any Jewish movie that's classically Jewish. And so my mother was like, so I go, mom, mom, I was a freaking, I was a freaking, uh, what, what, what's it called? What do you, what do you call it when you have a, oh shit, the word, the, 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 um, the word's escaping me. What's it like when you have like a really talented young talent? Oh, prodigy. Yeah. I said, mom, I'm a freaking prodigy. I was a freaking prodigy. She goes, I did the best that I could. I said, mom. I'm not blaming you. I mean, that was, that was the thing about it. It was hysterical. I said, I'm not blaming you. I said, this is just me going, I didn't know at the time, right? It was just a thing. And so I had terrific talent. Now, 
and I, and I tried to get into school of visual arts on, on the scholarship. Right. And I was one of the finalists and they chose someone else. And I was like, and you know, I was like, damn, right. You know, I was like, I, I was like, I knew to my core, there's no way this other person that had as much talent as me, da, 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 this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. Hey, look, I could have, you know, been bitter about that. And I could have used that to excuse achieving things. Or I could have just gone, okay, the dice didn't roll in my favor. All right, fair enough. Boom. So staying on that topic a little bit, David, when did the urge hit you for, to, to become a designer? to, you know, really embrace what is today your career of branding, how early did it start? Well, I always wanted to do something in the arts, but what happened was, was it was actually in my, in my, uh, when I was 20 and I was uh, in college and I was, uh, I was an art major. I was looking at, I was looking at, I, I walked in, there was an art class and I had this very jovial, jovial uh, black professor, and he was very well read and very, he was like, he was very, very uh, real um, disciplined and, and getting things done and boom, 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 and tackle your things and keep your discipline, this and that, the other. I walked in early for class and sitting on it, one of the drawing boards was this magazine, which is no longer in existence, but I actually have in my office, I have uh, 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 stashed away a library of about probably about 25 or 30 of them. Um, and cause they're kind of really collector's pieces. But I looked at this and I was stunned at what I saw. I'd never seen the craft of art applied to design. I'd never seen the attention to detail that I so admired in art applied to the use of words and the use of letter forms and different things. I was my draw just dropped i was stunned because this was all printed on newsprint this wasn't like some flashy thing it was all black and white right so this was like the real craft in its most raw form black and white newsprint so none of those production values were enhancing my experience it was just literally like the attention to shape and form and how everything went on the page there wasn't you could tell there wasn't a single detail that was randomly just dropped in place. It was truly like, whoa. And that was the, literally the turning point. That's when I became, I said, that's what I'm gonna do. Because I did not want to leave, I didn't wanna to leave to chance the doing a great piece of art, handing it off and going, hope they do stuff that's good with it. <laughs> but you were naturally artistic growing up? Always, always. Yeah, I would. I mean, I I drew and I painted and and um, you know I was I was always attracted to the arts. Always attracted to the arts. I was a drummer in my teens as well, but the arts and drawing, um, illustrations, portraits, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely, my whole life. Wow, I have a good friend who's an artist, and that's what he does for a living. And very similar story. You know, he started uh, young. He actually did a lot of cartoon characters as well. I don't know if you did that, like Snoopy or anyone like that. Mm, I mean, I, I did do a few, few of the superheroes. I was like, you know, I let, I always was like, wow, look at how cool Spider-Man looks, you know, the poses, you know, I mean, I did a little bit of that. I didn't, I didn't go heavy. Into, I mean, it was, it was just another inspiration along with Rembrandt and Michelangelo and Da Vinci. Right. I mean, it's like, so, and you know, and then there was Warhol and then there was Peter Max in, in, in that era. Right. Amazing. What about color, David? Let's talk about color. How important is color in branding? Um, and can you just kind of give us a little bit of insight? Like where, when you're looking at a brand or, or helping someone rebrand, where does the inspiration come from with color? Well, color, to, I mean, color is, is one of those sort of hiding in plain sight sort of heroes. Um, because again, everything, you've read the book, so you know everything comes down to, is it successfully differentiating this from what else is out there? Because the thing is, is I mean, and let me just give a context, because very few people really, 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 really get this. I just unveiled a thing today, just a, a whole thing on, on brand relevance, a whole scale on brand relevance, which is just killer. But the thing is, is this, 
is if you or I couldn't tell the difference between things that were obviously different, you know, let's say there was this sneaker and this sneaker, and let's say they were obviously different. Let's say one was a Keds and one was a Converse, right? Or one was Nike and one was Puma. And it's like, really, we, we know the difference, right? And you put them side by side. And if you or I looked at that, we were like, hmm, I really can't see the difference. Someone listening to that would probably say, they're pretty nuts. <laughs> they're kind of nuts. Um, well, unfortunately, now let's, let's reverse engineer that. To the extent that a brand, whether it be a person or a product or a service, to the extent that we do not own making sure that people get the differentiation between what we're offering and what else is out there, those people remain nuts with regard to us. Okay? That's the thing. Differentiation is a sign of sanity, right? My ability to tell that from that is a point of sanity, right? If I can't see the difference between those two obviously different sneakers, then they're going to, I'm kind of like a little fruitcake. You know, someone, someone else can come over and go, oh, of course, that's the Puma, that's the Nike. Like, boom, half a second, right? Boom, they know it. So differentiation, the whole thing of differentiation it has to do with the rationality, the ability to tell one thing from another thing. And to the extent that we as, as authors of brands own that responsibility, it's to the extent that we actually inject a little bit of sanity with regard to what we're putting out into the world and its ability to make a difference. Now, that with regard to color, color is one of those tools, one of those ingredients, right? I mean, I am in the middle of a brand. I'm not ready. I can't unveil yet, but I will say it's in the space of vehicles that would usually be used outside on big expedition type trips, right? So I go to a trade show with my client and I'm walking around, I'm walking around, I'm walking around, I'm, I'm observing things as I observe them. They're observing things as they're observing. And we're looking at competition and this, not the other, and amount of noise and this, not the other. And I said, did you notice something? He goes, what? I said, did you notice every one of the brands in this space uses black, red, and white? It's very, <laughs> what I call testosterone, <laughs> right? And so it's like really masculine and really big and rough and tough. <laughs> and so I looked at all that and, and at the end of the day, that's all they could talk about. Did you see how much red and black and white there was? We can't use it. You know, so I'm like, good. We now know exactly where we're not going to go because if we go, why the hell would we show up in black, red, and white, right? So it would like usually be a black background with red type or it would be, you know, it would be a, a red background, black and white type. I mean, but it literally would be just be these different things. And the type and the fonts were very, <laughs> right? And so that's just an example of it for color, you know? Apple used color in the beginning with the stripes of color. Now it's obviously gone to a more monochromatic treatment, which is fine, um, you know, but like everything. I mean, I, there are a minimum, and I've already codified them, um, that there's a minimum of 23 different differentiators that every brand could literally tap into. Color is one of them. Typography is another. I mean, a great example of, of just as an example, so you go typography, you know, um, it's like, you, you know, like, I think this is a great brand. I talk about it fairly often. Duluth Trading, right? You know the, the look of it. You know the feel of it. You know when the commercials come on, they're 15-second commercials, and you go, Duluth underwear. You know, it's like and you have that, you have the gr that gravelly voice, and you have the, those types of illustrations. So it's their style of illustration, their choice of illustration. It's white. It's not glitzy, and it's a little bit of humor. It's like, well, their underwear feels like a wrench on your nuts, you know, or whatever the hell they say, right? <laughs> and, so, and so those are the things. So all of those are tools that allow us to differentiate clearly between what other people are offering and what we're offering. It is the whole idea to make such an impression that as soon as they think of that industry or when they're looking for that product, that it's top of mind. Totally. I mean, look, Target does, Target does it with its red bullseye, right? We know it. Boom. You see the red, you, you, don't, you don't have to see the mark anymore. You know, Starbucks, what color? 
green. Okay. It's like what you, it's like you can mention different brands and you go, well, what, what are they? Some of them really tie it in and others aren't that they're not as locked in. Some might be driven by other different bits and pieces, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Color is a key thing. So just taking from the same page, neither coffee nor branding work when diluted. Right. Well, put it this way. Um, I'll give you a very, very practical example. If I were to walk, if I were to walk into a meeting and I were saying, hi, Roger. Um, we might be able to maybe we understand your problem, we think. And we probably could do, you know, do some good. You know, some people have gotten some benefit from it and um we think you can too. <laughs> okay. That's one way that, now that's now that I would call that like freaking like not only diluted, but freaking decaf watered down, okay? Right. And then and then there's like, hey Roger, by the way, we went over all the stuff that we talked about. Totally makes sense. And, um, here's, here's what we love. Here's what we don't love. And this is why we don't love those things. And this is where we think your sweet spot actually can be. And so when we actually start the project, this is what we're, this is what our plan is going to, going to actually achieve. How does that sound to you? Which one are you going to actually be more engaged and wanting to actually just even have a conversation with? Yeah. No, no contest. Second. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, People are thinking about, okay, David, I want to rebrand. I don't know where to get started. You know, what, what do people do? What are some of the tips you would give if someone is thinking about a rebrand right now? What do they do? And obviously, they okay. can call you as a, as a first step. That's, that's, that's the first freaking thing. Pick up your freaking phone right now. What are you thinking? What, 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 why are you pausing? Hello? All right. So, here's the thing. so the thing is, is... um. There's a few, few key places to start, a few key places to like really um, be like hyper aware of. So one is, is you need to do an honest assessment of where you're at. Okay. Um, you need to, it's like, are, so do we actually, do we have something worthwhile to offer? Okay. Do we actually have a really good service? Do, 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 do. And if you don't, first you gotta, you gotta clean house first. Okay. Have something worthwhile to offer. Um, you get this deep with the, with the organization. It's beyond- Absolutely. The, the brand itself it's oh absolutely no it's look i mean the bottom line is, is if you if there's no way that i'm if, if i create a great brand and i'll give you a great example great example there was a brand that i created some years ago um it was for a burger a boutique burger joint in the midwest who the hell needs another burger joint in the midwest right but this guy was like this guy like you know, you had a good life, this, that, the other, had reached, basically kind of got into retirement and was now ready for his next big hurrah in life. Always wanted to do, always loved burgers, always, lo- always loved trains. And so I ended up coming out with this brand, right? I created this brand. Um, but what ended up happening, and I'm going I'm to leave his, I'm going to leave his name out of it for now, just to not throw them completely under the bus. But the thing is, is created like a killer. I mean, this is just freaking insane killer brand just it was like one of those holy shit moments everyone was like on fire opening day there's a line going out into the street like a freaking the way it used to be when apple would have its product launches it was ridiculous and then and and then what was happening and people were like wow can't wait to get this because it the way i positioned it the unique branding the name everything it was freaking brilliant but what happened was I started getting some calls from people that I knew. I said, hey, David, I went to the place and the, the, the bun was cold. And, uh, and I was like, or hey, David, I went, I went to the place and it's like, you know, burger was kind of like really, it was a thin patty, much, way too much bread. And the, and, and the lettuce, the lettuce was cold, tomato was cold, and the bun was room temperature, and the burger was warm. I'm like, who the, that, that, that just sounds horrible. So anyway, so they were like, they were, they were like missing. And so I called up the owner and he was like, you know, well, we're working on it and da, 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 you know, and it's, it was not a level of professionalism. I took him, it was one of my earliest lessons of, of learning, you know, whenever I'm told sometimes, you know, some stuff is in data or this or the other, they didn't have the recipe yet, but they knew 
they, they, can, they told me how amazing and great it was. So I took it at face value. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be mouthwarming. It's going to be, oh my God, right? They didn't deliver on it. And so they had, they had literally had, I think if I, from the numbers I remember, like in two months, they had had like 2,000 customers. Like 2,000 customers in like about two to two and a half months. Then, and they were, and they were under, under delivering, under serving. Now, when you have a burger joint, you, the key thing with any brand, you got to understand the dynamics of a brand. Like if I have, if I, if I go to someplace like cheesecake, like a, like, like cheesecake factory, where the menu is like requires like a full length motion, motion picture, because there's like only about, I don't know, 125 items on the, on the freaking menu, but you're never going to get bored. You're going to find something you love and they do it decently. So I'm like, okay, well, what ends up happening is this is a burger joint. You have eight or 10 different types of burgers and then some sides. Now, when, so a fast food place, maybe they get to strike one, maximum strike two. Sometimes strike one is all it is. Like how bad was it on a scale one to 10? And if it was really like, and you can't get that right, I'm not coming back. Sorry, you blew me off. So that's the thing. So that's, so it's, you got, you got to, you got to know to deliver. So I absolutely will look at, all right, do we, do you really have something badass? Can you deliver better? Can you shorten, can you simplify better? Can you maybe be more efficient? What can you, what can you do? Um, are you, are, are you underselling it? Are, do you have eumelitosis, right? Which is like, which is, it's, it's worse than halitosis because it doesn't quite, it doesn't, you can't smell it but you'll detect it and you'll be repulsed by it. You, you, you have an overburdening amount of humility where you want to basically go, I am unworthy, but we will give, we will give our heart, soul, and, and, and everything to you. Take our house, take our home, take our car, please. So anyway, the basic thing is, is that I make sure that that's in order. Then I also, that's, that's one side. The flip side is this. Do not, do not be so drunk on your own Kool-Aid that you cannot see the forest from the trees. You can't be like, our stuff is amazing. Thank you for that adjective. What else? Our stuff is great. Thank you. What else? Our staff is incredible. Fabulous. All right, thanks for the adjective. I'm not interested in all that crap. That's like empty, that's emptiness personified. So what do you actually, what's the transformation? Here's the gold nugget for you. What is the transformation that you make possible? What is the transformation that in absence of you will not occur? That's what we're all in the business of. I don't go into, I don't care whether it's an ice cream joint or a gelato place or an espresso place or a restaurant or a place for sneakers or a place for cars or this or the other. I'm interested in, in a transformation of some sort. Sometimes it might be ease and convenience. Sometimes it might be a more perfect customized this and that the other. Sometimes it's going to be, wow, all these various things that are usually a pain in my ass dealing with the usual, the industry norm are not present here. Wow. I feel better about that, right? What is it? So I look at all the various places. And so the, it, all of this is really taking an assessment. Where do we stand in terms of what's, what's available out there? And if we truly have something good, and I can, and I can drill all of this down really fast with somebody. And so it's like, I, like, here's the deal. I know that you can get to someplace good if, you're willing to, if you really give a shit. If you do not give a shit, we're not going to be working together. You have to really have some pride. You have to be willing to know that, yes, I can do crappy, stuff for people and I can do good stuff for people. No one just only does good stuff. We all have the opportunity. We all can make the choices. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm feeling a little lazy today. I'm going to give them really shitty service. Or I'm feeling, feeling a little lazy. I'm not even going to package this stuff well. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. So it's just being real honest and looking at it. And then it's a matter of, okay, good. So you do blank, blank, blank. What is a differentiator and why you? Give me a compelling reason why you. Right. From what I'm hearing, you know, earlier you talked about kind of what's what's the why, you know, what's the why of the organization. You're saying you have to get your house in order. You have to take care of the, the product itself. Make sure it is a great burger if you're going to sell burgers. And then the, the last thing you're talking about is really, you know, what are what void are you filling in the universe? What are you offering that someone really needs. Do I have that right? That's true. Or the flip side is, is what dots are we connecting that everybody else has overlooked? It's kind of a flip side of that. David, can we talk about a real life example? So, and, and let's just talk about 
the podcast, okay? So there's a, millions of podcasts out there, right? Um, what am I trying to do? I am trying to provide the listener with knowledge of experts like yourself. Yep. In a free format. You're not being paid. I'm not being paid. The listener's not being paid. This is free information. So yep. how do you take even something like that and make sure that from a branding standpoint, it's at the top? Because, you know, I, quite honestly, I work hard every day, you know, in my, uh, you know, five to nine job to make sure that American Real is at its highest peak. Totally. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll answer that actually by, by giving you an example of how I, uh, how I tackled it myself. I think that'll be most real to you. So when I, when I started doing my blog, I had to look at, I was like, you know, I think I should, I was like thinking I should do blog. And let's, let's say, I don't know, it's probably close to 10 years ago, something like that. So I go, you know, I, I, I want to do a blog. My first and immediate reaction was there's lots of blogs out there. Okay. So it parallels. You're, you're like, okay, you want to put out a podcast? There's lots of podcasts. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like going, what can I do that isn't already out there? What can I do that gives them more? I said, look, there's brilliant minds out there. You got your Seth Godin's, you got your Simon Sinek's, you got your very smart people, good observations, good analytical skills. So what can I do? Oh, I actually design this stuff. I actually execute brands. These guys talk about marketing. These guys talk about culture. These guys talk about people. But I actually take my findings and I actually convert them into real three-dimensional skin and bones out there on the battlefield where they live or die. And I can show that and they can't. They have nothing to show. They can't walk you through and say, this is where it started. This was the transformation that what was made possible and why. Can't do it. I can. It's like, okay, that's a value add. That was my point of that's how I can be different. That's how I can provide more value. So translating that to your podcast, I'd say, okay, well, what can you do that's different? Okay, every podcast has at least two people in it, right? Let's so, so this is the reality check. This is what every brand goes to, okay? So every brand, every podcast has at least two people in it. Some have three or four, okay? A lot, a lot of them are modeled on will interview thought leaders or, or, or leading successful blah, 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 right? That's another common component. You always have to take assessment. What are the common things out there? Because if we're going to offer one more common thing to all the other common things, we're going to be common. We're not going to stand out. We're not going to be, be differentiated. So that's what I had to confront on my brand in terms of my blog. That's what I would say would be the same thing. It's like, what can you do this different? What can you provide this different? You know, is it, I, I mean, and, and let's, let's take another, like totally related, very related. So we get, we get a freaking James, what's, what's the, what James, uh, What's what's a nighttime heavy dude? James Corden. Uh, Corden. James Corden. So I was I was very early on the James Corden thing. I was like, who is this dude? And I thought he had a funny funny personality. I thought he was like very self-effacing. Yes. I'm thinking to myself, you know, is he going to make it? I mean, he didn't look the part. He, he's he's you know physically he just he has a midsection that just won't quit, right? And he knows it. I still don't understand. I mean, maybe it's a genetic thing. I mean, but I still don't get it. It's like, come on, dude. It's like if. I, you know, maybe you don't like exercise. I don't know, whatever you can hire a trainer and you can like just double down and say, let's nail it. If that was a goal, it's not, a, it's not as important to him and that's fine. So I'm thinking, okay, he's a British dude. Nobody knows him. And he's, you know, he's not like Mr. Eye candy. I'm going, is he going to make it right? And I just keep watching and I'm like, start seeing carpool karaoke. <laughs> okay. That was his differentiator. That was the thing, because it wasn't a one-off, and I, I, and I actually wrote an article about this, because I think it was maybe six or eight months, they kept, he kept on pitching it to different people, and they were all like, no, 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 until Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey was the first one, but okay, 
And once Mariah did it, everyone did shit, it. then everyone was like, holy shit, that was cool. So the thing is, is that's a perfect example. He took, okay, late night. You got the ones who are known. You got, you know, you got all the names that are known, and he's coming in unknown. What's, you know, it's like he's got several things not necessarily in his favor, and you're going, and he crushes it, right? And so that to me is like a perfect example. Like I would go, okay, what can you do that's different? Are you going to have wild little segments during your podcasts where everybody, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe you do, I don't know, maybe you like do some karaoke together. Maybe you do this, maybe you do that. I don't know. But, you know, that's the thing I would ask. It's the thing I ask myself, what can I do is different? So I, you look at my posts and if I'm not talking about the art and the discipline and the craft of branding and building a brand and building an empire, I'm showing you. Here's the before, here's the after. Here's the before, here's the after. And then the one minute Wednesdays build on top of that. And so that's the thing. That's what I would look at is go, okay, what the hell can you do to shake it up? I love it. And even your book, like I know it's hard to tell from the screen, but this is the thickest book I've ever seen on branding. And, you know, your fonts. I mean, look at this, folks. It's, it's, it's different, right? It's the differentiator. Yep. Um, and it's not diluted to use one of your words, right? This, this sticks out. So this is what I, I'm, I'm so excited about for myself to really think hard about this, how to become a differentiator, but also for our listeners to think that big and that bold, because you've set, you've set the stage now to say it's possible. Anything's possible. Yep. And that's what I love. Awesome. Wow. David, you have dropped so much great information um, I want to know, like, if, again, I put myself in, in the shoes of the listener. If it, you said, if they don't know what to do, you gave us some tips on, on, on that. But what if someone, you know, they don't have the budget to rebrand? Like, I'm sure this is pretty expensive. You know, is that, a, is that a, you know, a fair objection for people to say, look, we have so much material out there today with our brand, our website, our business cards. If we rebrand, it's going to cost a fortune. Is that the price you have to pay to, to, to take it up to the next level? Well, I have, I have a few responses to that. One is, is if what you're doing is not making a difference, then you're not differentiating and you're not branding. I don't care how much marketing you're doing. You're actually not branding. Branding is a, branding is a qualified activity. That's kind of like, that's kind of like someone saying, well, like, it's like someone saying, well, do you exercise? Well, yeah. Oh, good. What do you, what do you do? I, I, I walk to and from the copier every day, like two, 20 times. That's not exercise. You know, motion isn't exercise. So marketing isn't branding. So just being, just doing it. Well, we're buying Google AdWords and we're buying Facebook. It's like, you know what? If it's not working, it's costing you money and it's losing your business every freaking day. So what's the, what's the actual investment? You're, some people are more willing to invest in a losing horse than actually to invest into the future. The future can be fr freaking amazing, but you got to own it. You got to own it. What's it going to take? Are you willing to go all in, all in, all in? Or are you just going, well, we kind of want to be entitled? Because one thing that I'll tell every client, I'll say, here's the deal. When we're done doing the, the when we're done actually developing your brand and all that kind of stuff, that's the day that you actually get to start working. You don't get to kick your feet up. That's the day when you actually now have a license to work. Prior to that, you frankly didn't have a license to work. You're doing it on your own dime, and it was not a smart move. So, so yes, it does take investment. But the bottom line is, is truthfully, what's the what what's the where's the risk if you know that what you're doing is just burning cash and you're not attracting eyeballs and the amount of people that you attract, you don't retain because you're, you have no built-in differentiators because there's differentiators. I cover in the book. You've read the book. So you know about there's pre-sales branding, there's po during sales branding, and then there's post-sales branding. You, you have the opportunity to apply all. Check this out. This is like insane. Let's look at a multiplier. I talked about the 23, minimum of 23 different differentiators, which I haven't gone over here. That's, that's going to be somewhere available somewhere else through another medium. And I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, but the thing is, is 23 times pre-sales 
during sales, post sales. So let's make the math simple. 25, 70, so that's 75 freaking opportunities that most people are maybe not even using one or two of. I have to ask, do you walk around everywhere you look, you're, you're thinking of branding? I mean, does your wife go crazy wherever you are? Say, I could change that or this, they should change this. I mean, what no, I, no, I, I, I've matured. I've matured. I probably was like that uh, some years ago, but I've actually learned. I've learned to like, I, 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 you need to be able to turn stuff on or off, on and off. And so I'm always interested. I'm always curious. And sometimes it's just like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like, like, I mean, I, I remember, and this is just amazing. amazes me. Like I was with a client um, two weeks ago and we went out to coffee to, to an espresso joint and I saw this, this, it was the best tip jar sign that I ever seen. I think it read, um, if you fear change, leave it in the tip jar here. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was like the best. I was like, that's the most awesome message I've ever seen. Right. And so, so I took a photograph of it and I posted it on LinkedIn so far to, as of today, it's 30,000 views. People like going crazy over it. Wow. They love it. But even, but even right next to it, I mean, I just find stuff fascinating. And to me, curiosity and interest is one of the real sort of trademarks of a great leader. You know, Every, everyone from the Beatles to, to um, Martin Luther King to Steve Jobs to Walt Disney to Tina Fey to Oprah Winfrey, they all are interested in life. They're all curious about life. They don't, they don't get satiated with like, oh, I've seen enough, whatever. You know, they've not stopped. And I mean, and there was one, and there was one fantastic, fantastic little, right next to this great tip jar thing. I see this thing and, and it's this little gourmet, locally made um, chocolate bar. Now, for those that know me and follow me, they know that I'm into really, really excellent chocolate. Great handcrafted, good dark chocolate, not just crap. And so the thing is, is I look at this bar and it says on it three words that I've never seen put together. It says dark milk chocolate. I'm like, <laughs> so I hold this up to the, the barista behind the thing. I say, what the hell does that mean? What the hell's dark milk chocolate? I said, that's like me. Or, I said, that's like me ordering a cappuccino black. Right. It's not what does that even mean? That's funny. That's funny. Wow. So David. Man, my head is spinning, and I'm sure our listeners uh, as well. Um, any failures? Have you had any failures that you could talk about that said, geez, I, you know what? I blew that one, and I've learned from it. Uh, anything? Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had, a, I've had a couple, I've had a few, and they primarily were, were, were really on me in that I miss, I misobserved what I thought. It wasn't me being so in love with, no, actually, no, it was. What it was, was I was so convinced, and, 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 I, and I watched this. I'm really a hawk about this now. I was so convinced of my ability to cut through the BS, my ability to find the real differentiator, my ability to address any question or confusion or whatever on the part of my client that I dismissed small red flags that had gone up and I, and I made them and I made, it was a bad, it's, it's like a bad hire. It's like when you're sure that you can mentor anybody and you ignore the fact that the person's showing up and maybe they, maybe they smell and maybe they've got, you know, dirt in their teeth and maybe they've got a black eye and, and, and maybe they got needle marks in their arm and you, and you go, ah, oh, I can, I can handle that. You know, it's like, uh, no, you really, you really, you know, it's like, it's not only, it's not only myself, I, I have to be, I have to take enough ownership to recognize other people also are a, a key, hold a key role in the success of stuff. It's not all writing on David and it's not all me writing on them. It's like, how, do, how, are, how are synergies formed? It's by me recognizing your greatness and you recognizing my greatness and recognizing, you know what? This is where Rogers sucks and this is where David sucks. And going, you know what? Yep, that's where I suck. And going to cool. Get it. 
That's right. So I'm not going to lob the ball to you when that circumstance is there. You're not going to lob it to me when that circumstance is there. But here's where I am going to leverage it, and here's where I'm going to leverage it. So it's just being real. That's awesome. Uh, and that's where collaboration comes in, right? Yeah. The yeah. strengths of, of each individual to, to the advantage of the, of the greater good. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned LinkedIn. It seems to be one of those uh, platforms that everyone is starting to uh, see that it's, there's something big there. There's something big behind the brand that we've known for many years as, as the business brand, you know, the very conservative brand that we won't post. Uh, you're very active on LinkedIn. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and the importance of being active on LinkedIn, what it's done for you and what it could do for other individuals if they embrace it? Sure. Um, yeah, I, it, it really was about 14 months ago, 15 months ago, that a, a buddy of mine had said, you know, um, David, you really need to like check out LinkedIn. I said, I said, LinkedIn, I said, LinkedIn is a piece of shit. LinkedIn's a freaking digital Rolodex. Who gives a shit? That, that was my, that was honestly my response. <laughs> it was it's a Rolodex. Who, who gives a damn? No, no, David, no, no, you don't understand. I said, I, I posted articles. I, I, I put stuff on SlideShare. I was one of SlideShare's top stars years ago. And, you know, and, and you know, SlideShare is, is LinkedIn's poor stepchild of a, you know, whatever. And so blah, 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 blah. He goes, no, no, David, it's changing. David, listen to me, David. Here's what's happening. Our business is a result of it. Da, 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 da. Like, really? He's like, yeah. And he, uh, and he goes, hey, look check this out. He introduced me to this little, like little mini course that kind of like gave a little bit of a insight. I'm like, okay, check it out. Yeah. All right. Sounds interesting. I, I could, I could drop some material. So I start dropping some material. I didn't quite know what I'm doing. I'm kind of making it up as I go on. And I drop a thing maybe every couple three days, whatever. I don't know what I was doing. Doing the, all of a sudden I'm noticing some people are like digging what I'm doing and they're, so I get a call from someone who says, David, your, your content is like some of the best content that I see on here. You're missing eyeballs. I said, well, I, I agree with the fact that I'm missing eyeballs. I agree with that. And so then I get introduced. Um, and so I hire this person to help me, get me grooved in, kind of walk me through a boot camp, get me grooved in. I'm like, all right. So I start seeing like what, what to do. I do that. And then, that, then my game starts upping even more, more followers. More people, like a lot of people going, you know, they, I mean, I, I am good at what I do. I know what I'm talking about. I don't talk about stuff I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't add value to. So I, and, and I have a unique uh, viewpoint in the way I approach stuff. So that's, so I just, I just keep sharing my stuff and doing different things. And people are like, holy crap. And they're starting to hear them see this content from this person that they hadn't seen before. Um, and then another person says, Oh my God, David, blah, 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 blah. So it, it's like, it starts to basically open these doors and where I used to think that it was how many posts it took to be relevant and uh, you know, how many is too much. I had a, an incorrect idea about that. Um, and so there were different, was, there were different things that I saw, um, and continue to learn from, but now I put in a lot of posts. My following has in the past 14 months, five X. Um, and I would anticipate, you know, in the next, you know, by the end of this year, probably will three X again from where it is. I would, that would be actually my anticipation. Um, and so that will be really, really powerful. Probably four X within, within, within a year is my, my expectation. Um, because it starts to snowball, but you've got to like, you've got to find your bead. You've got to find your thing. I do things that I know other people don't do. I also know that I have a viewpoint that other people don't have. I mean, so, so a key part of it is you got to work out, you got to work out why are you going to be of interest to others? If you approach LinkedIn, like, or actually let me put it this way. You would approach LinkedIn the way you would approach a networking meeting. You wouldn't go to a networking meeting and just start walking up to everybody, handing them your card and saying, hey, by the way, here's why you should use our, our business. Da, 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 without ever saying, hello, who are you? <laughs> Let me learn something about you. Nice to meet you and stuff like that. So there's a, there's, a, there's a way to court those relationships. 
Um, I have a rule, which is basically about 85% share and add value, maybe about 15%, um, you know, say, Hey, by the way, this is what's available. If you're, you know, if this, if this is going to help you, you know, in your goals. Um, so that, so those, those are, those are some of the things, but I, but don't show up and just start like pitching, 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 and don't be some of these schmucks. Sorry if I'm calling you out. If you're listening to this, you shouldn't be, well, you should, if, if you, if you do this, you shouldn't be listening to this anyway. So they, <laughs> if you're, if you're one of those dicks who actually will, will, you know, send, you know, on my posts, actually drop a little Fiverr thing for your, one of your Fiverr gig or your freaking little, you know, your little, you know, make, get quick, rich thing. First of all, I will delete you, which I do do, and I'll block you and don't do that. That's just bad form. If you, if that gets you any business, trust me, any client you're going to get from that stupidity is not, is, is not going to be worth anything. And that's the shit way to grow a business. But side note. <laughs> so, David, if you're my branding coach and I'm not on LinkedIn, what would you tell me? I would say, look at those in your space. I always, I always start, I always start macro and I go micro. Always macro to micro, macro to micro. If you get nothing else from this whole thing, go big, small, big meaning. Okay. What's the noise out there in your space? What are the other offers? Because the bottom line is every third person is a freaking LinkedIn expert. Every fourth person is a social media guru. Every, you know, every third person is a personal branding, you know, like, like, you know, whatever. And these big, so all of those things, if you start doing that, you will not be branding. You will be adding to the noise because to the extent that you're actually echoing what's already out there, you add to the noise, which means that you are essentially, you're a cliche and you're promoting your category. All you're telling everybody is, oh yeah, I'm one more blank, 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 fill it in. Not, hey, I'm David Breyer, slayer of the mundane, unleasher of awesome, right? So it's like, what's your, what's your deal? You got to find, you got to find your niche. You got to find your angle. And this is not, and don't confuse branding with, oh, I just got to sound different and just like sugarcoat a turd. No, this is not skin. This is, it goes way deeper than that. Branding is like, it starts the, at the core of your brand is the nucleus of this. And the other nucleus, you have two nucleuses to your brand. One is the inherent values in your customer. That's your real nucleus. Do you realize that? It doesn't even start with you. The door to your pathway starts at your customer's door. Doesn't, it starts at their doorway. doesn't start at your doorway. Okay? It starts from them. And that eventually will find its way to you if you are really about their values. Nike, right? Sneaky. It's like, it's like uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Phil Knight. He was a freaking sports enthusiast. That empire was built on sports enthusiasm. Okay? Jobs. Steve Jobs, who's a fanatic for detail, fanatic for experience, fanatic for the aesthetic and the, and the, and the distinct and, the, and quality, right? That was the values. Obviously, it was, those were values that existed in the, set, the core center of the audience. The greatest brands start with an enthusiast who themselves is an outsider looking in. And then they just flip it and then they just increase their ownership. They just now go, you know what? Let's make it available to everybody. Wow. You just dropped a lot of gold on us. I'm so thankful for this conversation. Uh, David, if people want to reach you, what's the best way that they should reach out? Well, definitely go to risingabovethenoise.com, R-I-S-I-N-G, risingabovethenoise.com. It's our website. You can, get, you can get a free ebook there. You can subscribe to it, et cetera. There, uh, there's, there's, almost, there's over probably 300 uh, different, different articles of all types that you will get to see what branding really is. You get to see it. I don't just talk about it. It's not just theoretical crap. It's not just, it's not just little, little dribbly stuff you'll see in trade magazines, which talk about just the stupidest, most superficial stuff stupid, mindless pieces of bullshit that waste your mind and waste your just, you know what? I refuse to disrespect you by asking less of you. So I will always demand more of you in terms of, I will give you the gold in the stuff. I'll give you the gold in the book. I'll give you the gold on the website. I'll give you the gold in the one minute Wednesdays on my YouTube channel. I will give you the gold. 
but I want because I get, want you to think with this. I want you to get what's possible. Because if you, what if you could become an amazing force of nature in the world? What the hell would be the value of that? That to me is where the magic really comes from. It's like, why go small? What's the reward in going small that you didn't get noticed? It's like we, we, we all went to school. We all went to school. I hope the teacher doesn't pick on me. That's what it's like to, to basically approach life small, okay? You hope you don't get picked on. Well, you know what? I hope I do get picked on every freaking time because I know I will add value to it. I know I will shake things up. I know I will disrupt stuff. That's the thing. But also, you could, you could definitely connect with me there. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. And, and, and uh, we, 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 Roger and I won't tell you how else you can connect with me, but there may be some opportunities coming down the pike. That's all I can say. Can't say anything more. Right. That's right. Wow. This was tremendous. Thank you so much. One last question before I let you go. I ask every guest and you have a lot of life to live, David, but at the end of the day, what do you want your legacy to be here? What what type of mark are you trying to leave on this earth? I would like to leave the unsquelchable irrepressible fire that something can always be better that life can be better that things could be turned from ordinary into extraordinary why the hell not i love it david Breyer, like fire welcome to the american real family thank you so much and we'll do this again soon